Welcome to a special episode of Podrick the Podcast. In today's episode, part of our measurement orchestration series, Hadar Telem and Aima or Sadra talk about trends. Our industry loves trends. Making trends, killing trends, well, it is the marketing industry. As we get closer to the end of 2023, and some of you already hear Mariah Carey echoing through the background, we thought we'll wrap up this year's trends and talk about some of the trends that will occupy marketers' minds in 2024, the best year so far. Hope you'll enjoy listening to this special episode and remember to subscribe. Welcome to this special edition of this Hanu Christmas end of the year. And hi, Hadar. Hi, Maul. Happy to be here in this holiday environment. Vibes, good vibes. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's still time till holidays. Don't entirely feel it myself, but I hope that our audience uh, feel it. Um, I think that uh, it's it's the end of the year. It's quite exciting. Um, it always comes as shock to me that the year already ends. It's kind of the first half goes quite slowly and the second half goes so fast. So yeah, trends and things that are changing in our industry. I think it was quite an interesting year in terms of trends and things that are changing also in terms of the privacy uh, era. A lot of things kind of uh, came up this year. Scan4 came out. Uh, MMM was trending. Privacy Manifest was announced. All those things that are affecting our industry has happened or still happening or bound to happen. What trends do you know and hear about and care about more? Yeah, so I definitely think the world is becoming a little bit more complex to be a digital marketer. It used to be perceived as simpler, okay? It was a lot more glory than complexity. I think it's a lot more complexity these days. Um, yeah, definitely like you, obviously, I saw the trend with MMM. And I also am now seeing... I'm seeing this not yeah yeah I'm gonna sound pitchy but I'm gonna I'm I'm seeing the sunset I'm seeing people who tried it who then understood that there is a reason why people haven't been using MMM operationally um, and yeah I think that this one of the major trends I saw a lot of people tried it figured out that wait it's giving me results that I can't really trust or use or makes any sense. And people are still looking for solutions. Yeah, I think tried it is also an advanced feature of uh, MMM. I think a lot of people try to develop it in-house. That's kind of what I hear from the industry. And it's getting difficult to even get some results that are somewhat validated. So they don't even get to try it, to work with it. So it's kind of as far as I know, it's kind of ending in time in experiment mode or in trying to uh, have all the data set ready for that and how to kind of have all the added factors to take into consideration. I think a lot of companies try to bring in um, in-house data of like game economy and promotions. Like this is the dream, but in reality, it's very hard to make the model work well enough, I think, internally. And externally, um, there are companies that are offering this service, but it's always kind of challenging to offer this as an external service when most of the data should be internal. Uh, and I think that, uh, like a lot of the problems with MMM is the data prep. So kind of 
Um, on my perspective, maybe this is where like a big pitfall here because people want kind of a ready solution, like give me an MMM, tell me what to do. But the data, the underlying data is kind of not ready. And this is the hard work that needs to be put in in the side of the organization and not always there is the right or kind of enough resources to make this data set or the business knowledge and the combination of both kind of marketing data as well as product data. Um, and it's very hard to kind of combine all of those together into something that actually makes sense internally before even kind of calibrating it and making sure it is a model fit. I interviewed with um, Eric Sufert for the MDM podcast, and we had an interview with me, him, and Julian Runge. Okay, Julian is a, he's a data scientist. He works in academia. He's also part of Games Data Pro. He builds predictive modeling, and part of those sometimes are MMM. And it was really interesting to hear what he had to say because he has experience where he actually advises companies how to do it correctly. And he said that what companies really need in order to build MMM is uh, patience, uh, which I guess, you know, in like today's world where people are looking for immediate solution to the problems they have, especially around marketing measurement, growth, and so on. Um, MMM is not a, an easy peasy, just install it and it works. And, you know, the, like this is exactly like the white paper we wrote and explaining what it means and like, why are there, are, are there differences and when should people use it and when should people not use it? But Effectively, what I'm seeing is that, again, I think that what I noticed, the trend, the trend was people were essentially perceiving MMM as the alternative to my MMP, or at least, you know, my MMP has stopped being very reliable when it comes to deduplicating conversions across all the different platforms I'm working on. So, hey, MMM can replace it. MMM cannot replace that. MMM is really, really good for certain use cases, but it, it is not attribution, okay? Attribution is still necessary. Yes, it's going to be a mess. It's going to continue being a mess, but it is what it is. Just understand what the difference is. That's kind of like what we've been, I think, saying for the last maybe six months. Yeah. Do you think, do you know of like good success stories with MMM? Because I'm sure there are some and I don't want to kind of sound too biased because there are people or in companies who make this work. I just think that the underlying effort that needs to be put in in order for getting to results and actionable results and kind of right budget allocation based on MMM is something that only a few manage to get. I'm sure there are some, but... Uh, I'll answer. Yeah. So yes, there are definitely success stories. They are not the listeners of this podcast. They are not, they are not the customers. They are not the majority of customers of the MMPs or incrementality. Um, like again, where MMM is extremely useful is retail. If yeah, you, if you're selling your products on stores and if you're uh, altering, like if you're, you're changing your marketing, if you're McDonald's, if you know, if you're changing your mix, yeah, once in a while, the variance in your market is quite low and you know exactly what are the factors that have. And if you're kind of, you're dependent on the size of your population to just grow and you know all those kind of factors to take into consideration it's it's quite a good model do you think that mmm even works for a kind of gaming industry can it work mmm again has very very good use cases for planning scenario planning and so on but again you have to remember it works on a very macro level like search 
how is search, how is social, how is display doing to me globally, okay? Not how is this campaign on Google UAC in the UK is doing for me. MMM cannot do that, okay? And for some reason, a lot of the hype was that people assume that MMM can do all of it and just it can't, you know? And again, it's very, very good for certain use cases. Now, the other trend I saw this year that I don't know if it's fading away or not, but I'm definitely not hearing as much about is CTV, okay? Six months ago, all I could hear about was CTV. And I don't know what happened to it. Like, obviously, CTV is growing, but I'm just not really hearing about it at all anymore. Is is it too good to talk about it or is it just not (laughs) working? I think a lot of people essentially tested it. And you can't really test TV with 5K. With all the respect, it's it's not like a small network where you just put like 5K and say, well, it doesn't work. I'm not going to continue um, like any other medium. Do you think that 5K, this is it? I think a lot of companies tested it with more than 5K. Look, like anyway, you and I see it. We know it. We have customers who run TV and CTV and measure and we see the results. For some, it really works well. Maybe let's talk about kind of the return of uh, linear TV or regular TV. This is kind of a trend that comes back from the past and kind of do look good. Yeah, I also agree. I also sometimes will tell people like CTV is this, linear TV is that. I'm, yeah, we don't use videos. People have no idea what I just, yes, I waved. (laughs) Yeah, we need to add narration for Maor's hand gestures. (laughs) Yeah, linear TV is much larger, according to his hands gestures, just for you exactly, know. Exactly, exactly. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what's what's up with CTV. Is it, uh, is it really uh, growing or is just the hype quieted down? I don't know. It sounds to me like that are, um, as far as I see from kind of our own data sets, that uh, linear TV has kind of kind of shown great impact in some cases. Of course, it's everything is context dependent and depends on how much you spend. I've seen that on kind of, it is if you kind of spend enough um, budget on that, you do see or kind of combine it with other marketing efforts such as influencers. Um, We did see kind of great incremental value in terms of linear TV across several of our kind of customers, even on gaming. And I think this is pretty cool because I think that a lot of the users, the end users for gaming companies are on TV, even though they're sometimes kind of younger audiences and kind of different in segments. Uh, but it's kind of cool to see sometimes those ads on TV myself and kind of see, oh, yeah, that's a kind of a very cool game. <laughs> um, so I'm happy it comes back. Uh, I think that um, with additional ways of uh, measuring that and kind of understanding that there is a way to measure, even though it's kind of probabilistic, it's still good and good to see that there is a good impact in terms of linear TV, which I think will probably, if I'm thinking about, will this trend remain or uh, disappear? I think this will probably remain. Um, This is kind of trending, but it's always on, like there is always TV somewhere, but I think in terms of gaming industry and kind of um, app, I think that promotion on TV will continue this year. So you mentioned probabilistic and you kind of almost touched the point. But so there is a trend that I think that people are not yet sensing um, and it's coming. And 
I'm going to try to explain my thoughts here. So you, you know, privacy manifest is coming, you know, IP protection is coming, you know, Android privacy sandbox is coming. Basically the ability to do uh, easy attribution on a user level is completely disappearing. Okay. Just won't be able mm -hmm. to do that. You Agreed. won't be able to fingerprint. Okay. Now, on the other hand, you have the ad platforms, you have Google, you have Facebook, you have any ad platforms that have first party data. They have started probabilistic attribution. Okay. Basically, they're running models on their side and telling you, hey, regardless of what your scan uh, reporting tells you, this is how much I believe they generated. It's advanced algorithmic um, measurement, actually. Now, on the advertiser side, if they continue using a standard attribution solution, they're going to start seeing massive discrepancies. Okay, Like, my MMP told me I got 100 conversions from you, Mr. Facebook. But Mr. Facebook tells you, hey, I generated 5,000 conversions. Now, because Facebook has first-party data, Facebook gets to say, you know what, I'm right. Okay, And I actually believe that we're going to start seeing big tear between demand and supply on the topic of measurements. And effectively, the bridge between those isn't there yet. Okay, Of course, I can always say we are the bridge between those two. Okay. Yeah, but we are like, also kind of not the same as what Meta yeah. will say. So exactly. So it's not I a think, solution. So I'm kind of seeing this year as a almost a pivotal year that again creates a tear. Now you also have ad networks who are effectively billing on probabilistic. They don't have the same, let's say, credibility that the Facebook has, and neither mm -hmm. does Google. Um, but effectively, this is kind of like how I'm gonna see the world. So it's going to be even more complicated and messy to understand. And a lot of people are going to look for solutions. I guess we see it kind of now, but I don't know if it's because people are aware of the tear they're going to have, they are going to see, or if it's more related to. Like the tear is already here. It's just going to grow larger, I believe. Like there wasn't always a, a perfect match between deterministic and kind of um let's say fingerprinting even, or kind of uh, MMP data versus uh, partner data or network data, but it's just growing larger by the day and with the, those added rules. But what do you think that should happen? Because basically in terms of probabilistic matching, if you have like five different tools giving you probabilistic data for your overall data, so yeah, let's say MMM and you have incrementality and you have uh, MMP data, where whatever it is, and you have uh, the network data. And let's say that three out of four are pointing the same direction. How would you make decision based on the three out of four? Or if those three are the probabilistic and the deterministic is saying something really different, what should you believe? Like, as I see it, it's kind of a combination and try to kind of gather those tools and kind of indications together side by side in order to make an informed decision. Now we are kind of getting informed about how our data looks like, but we are it's getting harder and harder to kind of get to the chase and kind of what do I need to do right now? Um, what do you think about it? History is written by winners. You know, this is, a, this is what I think. Our industry has never had standards, okay? And we've seen it with attribution for many years, and then we saw it with attribution fraud. The like industry has never had standard. Whoever dictates the rule is whoever wins this, okay? Whoever wins 
customers, market share, uh, people's belief, basically, that's who's going to dictate the rules. So eventually it'll be the market, like the market dictates its own rules, but I have no idea. Actually, don't think we'll see any resolution for this. I'm I think it's going to get worse, like a lot worse before it's going to get better. Creates a lot of opportunities for many companies, including for mm -hmm. us. Let's uh, let's yeah. admit to it. Uh, but I don't really know uh, what will happen. It's going to be interesting for sure. Perhaps at some point, even kind of the partners will say, "I'm kind of I'm I'm dropping user level data. I'm dropping deterministic because probabilistic also works well with other um, kind of dots that I have in this connection, like." there are more and more companies who are starting kind of collaboration like meta with amazon or amazon with snap and you know that like i think those collaborations will eventually kind of turn into a place where um those companies will share the data that they can and they are allowed to and of course privacy wise um are regulated and all is good but i think that in terms of deterministic attribution, if you can share that with the networks you're collaborating with, then probably even for them, it will be more challenging to keep using those data points. And perhaps they will move to probabilistic attribution or probabilistic measurement at some point as well. What's, what's certainly in my view is that, again, first party is king. First party was always king. And whoever has first party stands to have a defensive year ahead of them and obviously longer than that but for anyone else um, who's relying on third-party data let's say good luck so what other trends do you see coming for this year well on the positive uh, side i think that the i don't know how to call it the recession yeah someone called it pre-session but i think it's over um at least i'm seeing less say uh, layoffs um I think that companies who prioritize profitability or at least longevity um, and, and like survived the last uh, year will survive. And I'm actually now seeing moderate growth um, and like a look into the horizon. It's not going to be 2020. It's not going to be 2021. Um, so we're not going to see inflated crazy valuations and people hiring without even interviewing. It's like, oh, your CV looks good. Just come on. Here's 20% more than what you're earning. That's yeah. definitely uh, not going to happen. But uh, it's healthy not to have that. But yeah. Yeah, no. So again, I think we are back to growth mode and not maybe hyper growth, but like uh, the world is back to growth. You can see it. Um, I'm actually following this like uh, layoffs.fii or layoffs.io or something like that. It basically tracks... Uh, layoffs and you immediately see the trend is down but i i saw maybe it's not a good sample but i saw quite a lot of layoffs in the recent months actually increasing after uh, a more relaxed period so i don't fully agree that it's over um I do think that the market has changed maybe it's kind of more kind of getting into a balance of between this crazy growth mode that we've been to for so long into not kind of laying off so many and kind of cutting so badly but into some kind of middle ground i hope we're there uh, i don't think that we are back to growth honestly i think that it's kind of somewhere in between and then uh, how can we talk about trends and what's coming without mentioning an ai 
Oh, AI, 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 AI. My favorite <laughs> I... topic. <laughs> but AI is everywhere. It's like, I think it's everywhere. I think uh, it's everywhere, every... but it's been so, uh, it's been digested and eaten and bitten and kind of, yeah, I kind of have an overload of AI talks, but it's still here. I think it was always here. I think that the hype was too high because like uh, large language models got into place and like ChatGPT got everyone crazy and kind of got into the uh, general public in terms of uh, how much usability it has and how much kind of uh, the, its capabilities has grown. Uh, but I think AI was always here and it, it will always remain here. And like, if you're talking about how is it going to change your industry? And like when it just started, uh, gaming companies said, oh, it's going to change everything. We could kind of uh, live without our uh, all of our creative teams, which in correlation with the layoffs of this year, it's quite challenging to determine whether it's AI or just uh, um, not no longer on growth mode and moving to efficiencies mode. But I am tending towards uh, efficiency mode. Of course, creative job has become more um, easier to work with uh, with AI tools. And I think it's uh, imperable to have AI in your work and day to day. But I don't think it's kind of everyone go home. AI replaces you right now. No, I actually never thought that. I actually think it only creates jobs and creates opportunities because you can massively increase efficiencies. Um, I personally would like to see generative AI everywhere like in large language models everywhere. And again, like obviously we have uh, we have this in our uh, plans already and a bit of it in our product already. But yeah, I would want to log into a platform and just ask the platform a very simple question. It's an answer. Yeah, That's... but like everything with those uh, large language models, you need to be asking or anything in life, actually, you need to be asking the right questions. And sometimes without... Uh, proper guidance into what and how to ask, you might be asking the wrong questions and getting therefore the wrong. But that's answer. but that's why I'm saying I think it's just creating uh, jobs and creating opportunities and increasing efficiencies. It doesn't replace uh, the human element that again needs to ask the right question. And mm -hmm. you know, I spoke with uh, Matej Lancheric, uh, two and a half gamers, but he also has a, a creative, uh, basically agency. And he said it's, it's actually creating a lot more work for them. The ability to create 50 iterations um, in minutes, if not seconds, rather than spending hours. So now they can create, 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 create something that they could just not do previously in the same level and the same speed. So, you know, him as a, actually as a creative person with a creative agency, he would think, oh, they should be worried. No, they love it. They accept it. They are happy yeah. about it. Yeah, you need to embrace it. Like everything in this industry, you need to just take it into um, into your operations, into your day-to-day -day work and see how you can grow from it uh, rather than be afraid from it. So yeah, I think it's it's here to stay, but it was always here. It's just nice that we have now like much more mature tools to be using. And I think this will continue to grow and develop. I, I think this will be, again, uh, our industry doesn't have standards, but I think this will become a, an expected standard in every ad platform, every marketing platform. In your ad stack, you would basically want LLM. You would want to be able to just ask questions, get answers. And again, we're talking about data analysis. Like we're talking about people like you who have the experience being a marketing analyst to be able to, Indeed, just ask the data, the right platforms, 
rather than mess around with SQL queries and scripts and figure out, just be able to tell the data, data, this is how I want to see you. Mm -hmm. And boom, it's there. Yeah, I think it will be a mixture. Don't give up uh, SQL queries too quickly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like it. I like where we're heading. Oh my God, if just imagine LLM in Excel in Excel. Oh, that's that I'm okay. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a bet. I'm guaranteeing Excel will have LLM this year. 2024, of course. Yeah, let's uh let's see. Let's catch up in a year from now and see what has happened. What so happens there's... if it doesn't happen? That's <laughs> it's so easy to make bets on podcasts. Yeah. I'm I'm betting everything. What is everything? Yeah, sure. Everything will happen. If it doesn't, no one is accountable. That's why kind of I'm reluctant to talk about AI because at first everyone was just going with the extreme prediction of how the world will change. And that was a bit kind of too much talking and kind of less of doing and actually have data behind that. Um, so that's me. So this next year, basically, um, or this like current year, Privacy Manifest was announced. Maybe let's talk a bit about that. I think this is another kind of brick in the wall um, of privacy changes happening, bound to happen. So Privacy Manifest, in short, is another Apple regulation uh, that is upcoming, basically saying that um, if a company, like that every advertiser needs to now declare if they use any SDK that has fingerprinting, which is not allowed by Apple. Fingerprinting was supposed to be dead uh, or dying post-ATT and not be used in any way. It, it is forbidden even before ATT, of course, but it, ATT has come to kind of um, maybe enforce it more, more largely, but it's still being done. Um, what do you think that will happen with Privacy Manifest? How will it change our industry when it kicks in? It's really funny. A couple of days ago, I was talking with a big uh, big marketer, okay, big spender. And they said, uh, we spoke with an attribution solution and they told us that it will not affect them. And to me, it's, it's kind of like going in the 90s and speaking with a print newsletter and asking them about the internet. And they're going to tell you, no, that's never going to catch on. That's just a fad. Like print is here for life. Um, yeah. No, this is coming. This is big. Uh, I think that a lot of people are in denial, same as people were in denial when when the SK Ed Network, like 2.0 came out, when ATT came out. I think that people, it's not that they didn't even get it. They either refused to get it or kind of like read about it as, yes, I, I see this thing. I see this brick wall coming in front of me but that's not going to impact me. I'm going to be fine. Um, and again, I think we've seen it previously as well. People are never really prepared until they have to be prepared. Um, and yeah, it's gonna, just going to happen after the after the fact. Like after the fact, uh, Apple will start enforcing this. Uh, people will get their apps rejected and will need to change their SDK or remove certain SDKs and then be panicked on how do we do this forward and it's going to be complete chaos for a couple of months. Um, again, I don't want to gloat, but this is really good for us. It's incremental. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how I see it. Like nothing will surprise me. I've been doing this for quite some time and it's just human nature. 
do you think that this kind of announcement or this upcoming change is putting the right leverage on companies that are still doing fingerprinting? No, I, I actually don't. I think that they will continue doing it until the very last second. And then what? And then what? Uh, that is an excellent question. I think um, they're going to just continue using an SKA network uh, with a layer, maybe a probabilistic layer. Um, but I think that, again, I think what they will do the most is they will try to have the end customer who is not asking hard questions, thinking that everything is fine and nothing has changed. And even though these channels suddenly stop performing and these channels suddenly look as if they are performing 10x better, everything is fine. Chaos. Yeah, what do you think that advertisers should be doing? Basically, I think that the the like intent of all this um, basically action is to put leverage on companies who still use fingerprinting so that advertisers will basically have to push those companies and say, like, if you want us to continue using you, you have to remove that or or other or else we can't just use that or like it's putting our like business in danger like actual risk again if a company is already ready for this they're already making moves and we know what those moves are they're essentially starting to work with alternative measurement methods they are starting to properly look at mmm from a, mark, a macro standpoint in order to make certain decisions and they are relying on SKA network and basically t uh, saying to their attribution solution, hey, I don't want you fingerprinting because like, or you're not, I'm just going to not use the fingerprinting data and because I'm just getting myself used to the future. And this is the future. Um, but again, I think the majority of companies just are, have, have no idea. Yeah, waiting. I think that as long as something uh, is working, they don't want to change it. Um, but yeah, I think that we will live to the day where this chaos will kind of come, arrive at some point. I think it will happen. I think that companies who are kind of getting themselves ready are working with additional measurement tools, whether those are internal or external, whether this is MMM in whatever form, incrementality in whatever form, or even right in-house solutions. Uh, I think that basically user level data fingerprinting is should be gone already for so long. And it's just, uh, I think it's concerning that it hasn't yet, but this is the reality and this is how the world works. No one wants to make uh, large changes unless they have to. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry, what I was going to say, um, so in a couple of days from now, you and I are going to be meeting Evgeny Peres, who's uh, like an executive in AppSwire. Don't remember the exact title, so sorry, Evgeny. Um, and yeah, same as we spoke with Iran, who is the CTO for Singular. I'm really curious to kind of like hear their plans. I know there's a limit to what they're actually going to be sharing with us, but I'm really interested. And same goes... We're going to be speaking with uh, Ben Yeager. He's a VP Europe and Moloko. And Moloko is a DSP. And they've been doing really well since yeah. ATT. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, they are, unlike some of the other ad platforms out there, they don't have an enormous amount of first-party data. And they're still been doing pretty well. So mm -hmm. it, it does show that there are opportunities. There are ways 
to make things uh, work. I'm really curious to see again, what do they think if they see it as like a big threat? I'm assuming no, because people always look for the opportunities during change and change actually does bring a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Well, I think it's quite interesting and I think that there is an upcoming interesting year. I think that companies who are uh, working with those tools and like with additional, I don't know, plan Bs or additional uh, measurement abilities, even if they're just in development mode, uh, I think that this is will kind of help in living the future of no longer having user level data also on Google when Google Sandbox finally kicks in. I think that Google will develop their platform in a way that is more intuitive and more informative and more ready for this new reality rather than scan or Apple's uh, solutions. Uh, I think that it will provide additional solutions for like retargeting and for um, basically subject matters that are still in quite a kind of problem right now in terms of deterministic attribution and, or living without it rather. Uh, I think that Google will be much better on that sense. But uh, again, like if, if a company has the resources and time, then they should have the resources and time to put into um, different measurement methods. I think this is the time. And although I work at Incremental, it's important for me to say, like, even though we are both employees or like you're the CEO, but um, it's important for me to say that I joined Incremental first and foremost because I do believe in this kind of new reality of not relying on user level data. I've been saying that for years, even before I joined Incremental. Um, so it is kind of my personal vision and not just because I work here. Uh, I think definitely companies should be ready for the day after, which is already here, of not kind of being allowed to use user level data unless explicitly consented. Um, and I think that other solutions, even though not perfect, they already are here in the market or you can develop it in-house. But I think that definitely this is something that if you haven't done as an advertiser so far, it's something worth considering and doing uh, for the upcoming year. Plan it ahead because I think it's super important. Cool. And I think with that, Adal, um, we can uh, finish off this episode. Uh, so yeah, thanks for this uh, impromptu Hanu Christmas <laughs> episode of Trends. Um, hope you uh, start soon decorating your tree or menorah. Yeah, you do you. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see each other in a couple of days for another episode in our series. Thank you for joining us. See you soon.